Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is Liz Georgie, CEO and founder of Suna. Suna is a virtual content studio platform that helps brands create professional level photo and video content for e-commerce and marketing. Late last year, Liz and the company raised a $35 million Series B led by Bain Capital Ventures. This is really an extra special episode for us. As many of you know, we were early investors in Suna, and Liz was really the catalyst for us starting Range Ventures. She's an incredible founder and thought leader, and as always, was right on point today with her biggest lesson. Liz, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us today. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Awesome. Well, obviously, we were really excited to do this episode for a long time. And for those who aren't familiar, would love to just hear a little bit about your story, about Suna, about how you got to uh, the business you're building today. How far back should we go, Adam? I feel like <laughs> well, at least at least you've got to include winning the Emmy. Okay, I'll do. I'll start. Okay, I'll go way back then. So growing up, I grew up in northern Minnesota and I lived up there because my family had a canoe outfitter. So I grew up in a family business. A lot of people don't realize that my grandfather owned the largest canoe outfitter for the Boundary Waters canoe area for 25 years and uh, cut my teeth quite literally sweeping the shop as a child, but also just being the cute kid that wandered around when people came to rent a canoe. And I realized very young that business was this amazing a method for creating community, for creating culture, for creating family around you and spending time with the people that you most value. And so uh, I, of course, logically decided to go to school for television broadcasting instead of business, which was, you know, clearly the, the most <laughs> logical choice. Got my undergrad from the University of Minnesota in broadcast journalism. Thought I was going to be a newscaster. I went to Texas for my first job. And in six weeks, I learned very quickly that I was not going to be a newscaster. I learned very fast that if you want to work in the professional news business, you basically want to chase fires, murders, and death. And I was not interested in that negativity. And so I became a television editor instead, focusing my career mostly on being a freelance editor of 60-minute docu-shows. So you may have watched one of my shows in the early 2000s on Big Ten Network or PBS. And I uh, was very happy doing that. was very lucky to win an Emmy in 2009 for a show that I worked on with PBS. And it was still not enough. You know, what's so funny about being 27 year old, 27 years old and not winning an Emmy is I still thought I had more to do, which is crazy. So when I was 29, I started my first business. I started a production company and brought together what I knew best in the world, which was professional production and what I grew up doing, which was business. And uh, that's really how I got my start in entrepreneurship. Awesome. That, that's such a great story. I didn't even know that about the canoe business, Liz. Right. Well, you know, it's, and you actually you want to know one of the funniest stories about it. My Haley and I, who's my Haley Anderson, who's my co-founder, were going through telling some stories to her parents recently. And her parents rented a canoe from my grandfather in 1987 when they got married on their honeymoon uh, before Haley was even a thought. And so uh, the, the connection with Haley goes all the way back to 1987. 
Wow. And Liz, you have me wondering, actually, if I ever rented a canoe from your family, because I've been canoeing up there with a friend of mine from Minnesota. And so who knows? Maybe we have that connection as well. It's very possible. If you rented a canoe from Mel's LaCroix Outfitters, you very well could have <laughs> rented I'll, from I'll my I'll have grandma. to go check the uh, visa receipt and see if it has the name <laughs> on it. It doesn't so. go all the way back. <laughs> back to the, the story that brings you to today a little bit. I think, you know, when I first met you, it was really inspiring and really bold because you had a successful business going in Mightier on the agency mm -hmm. side. And with Haley, we're making the call to actually phase out of that business uh, which could have you could you could have kept going and had a comfortable life doing that, and actually decided to go bigger and take a big risk with Suna. Tell us about that decision and, and kind of what your um, what Suna is doing today. For sure, from 2013 until 2019, I was running Mightier, which is a production company that focused on commercial internet ads, which to us meant being the best in the world at helping really big brands create ads for their online and mobile apps and on mobile experiences. And so we were working with the biggest brands in the world, brands like US Bank and Facebook and Microsoft. And Haley was my director of animation. We were very comfortable. We were doing about 3 million in annual revenue. We were had a team of 14 people. It was fabulous, It was a, but it was not necessarily the thing that we wanted to do forever. I remember distinctly Haley and I went on vacation together in 2018 to a painting workshop in Joshua Tree, which is about as artsy fartsy as it gets. And uh, spending days and days together and coming to the conclusion that we were tired of helping the biggest brands in the world be really good at production. If they had a $100,000 budget, we could help them. But there was all these small businesses, all these direct-to-consumer businesses that we were really excited about that we couldn't help and that we thought there's this opportunity for someone to help all these small and medium-sized merchants tell their story online. That was the genesis of the idea. That was the germ of the idea. It took us another nine months to come up with what actually should we be creating, what should we be building. And I don't know that I really knew that I wanted to build a really big business. I just knew that I wanted to do something that I thought gave access to everyone to what creativity could do. I'm a huge believer in creativity. If you ever get to know me, if you ever get to know my business, you'll learn very quickly that creativity is at the heart of everything I do. And so creativity and having access to, to creative work felt like a massive billion dollar opportunity. Here's what's really interesting. Before I met you, Adam, at Techstars, I think a lot of people don't realize, I actually applied to Techstars. It took us about eight months to build the first prototype of Camera to Cloud, which is what runs the virtual photo shoot experience behind Suna. Haley and I had been working on this on nights and weekends just kind of for fun to see. We figured if we could build a technology product that made production easier to access and more affordable, we could actually change the industry demonstrably. So we were spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to make the photo experience connected to the cloud such that you could run a lot of processes simultaneously. We applied to Techstars in October of 2018 with nothing more than a prototype of Camera to Cloud and then Liz and Haley's MVP of what a new business might be. Suna did not have a name. Suna was not even in our brain. Uh, I met with Natty and Julie and said, listen, I know that you know, I've got this other business and it might seem like this totally off the off the wall thing, but let me show you what we can do. So I actually demoed for them a virtual photo shoot in Maria's Empanadas in Denver, Colorado. And Natty said, I don't, I, you seem like a crazy person who's going to do really big things. Come join the program. So that was how we got into <laughs> Techstars, which to this day, I think I might be the only person that has applied and gotten into Techstars without even a company name. 
uh, as a starting point. So that was that was how that happened. Well, as you know, Adam and I are huge fans of Suna, uh, but want to talk more about just Colorado tech right now, Liz. And we were chatting of six or seven years in Denver. Would love your perspective on how you've seen it evolve over the past six or seven years and what you're excited about going forward in Denver tech. I moved to Colorado sort of on a whim. I had been out in the Rocky Mountains on a photo on a photo and video shoot with a client and felt I'd never been to Colorado before. Fell in love with Colorado. I was like, this is amazing. This is everything I love about the Midwest and everything I love about the Southwest. And I get all the seasons. And so I just said, screw it. I'm going to move to Colorado. I had no idea if it was going to be a good environment for business or not. When I got here, there was very few kind of functional groups, functional funds, businesses that were focusing on on SMBs. And so I thought, well, you know, this will be part of an exciting ecosystem. But what was happening was I was part of the first inaugural Denver Startup Week. And I remember thinking, wow, there are a ton of people. There's a lot of people who are excited about having a startup ecosystem here. There are a lot of people who are interested in starting businesses. And most importantly, there's a lot of women who want to start businesses. And so I became very close friends very quickly with some essential people that have really kept me in Colorado. Uh, the creator of Women Who Start Up, uh, who's, whose name is Lizelle Van Buren, and who's still going strong. I think there's now maybe 4,000 members in Women Who Start Up. There were 200 when I met Lizelle. I mean, it's just a crazy, huge growth. There was only Foundry Group in terms of investing. Now there's yourselves, there's Matchstick Ventures, there's The Fund. There's so many different groups that are that are investing in businesses. And I think, you know, Techstars has done a really good job of birthing a generation of businesses that are really exciting for this ecosystem in terms of creating jobs. And so when I look around, you know, I look at both my cohort mates, the people that I went through the program with and the success they're having, whether that's Atomos or Comet Chat, uh, or I look at the businesses that are coming out of future classes who are also doing really, really well. And I feel excited about seeing what companies like Tilt are doing so quickly, right? So I think what the, has happened is that the ecosystem has become a lot larger, a lot more self-sustaining, which is very exciting. But here's the essential thing. what Someone asked me recently, why do you stay in Colorado? Because it's not that there isn't maybe more capital for us in New York or more opportunity for us in San Francisco. The reason I stay in Colorado is because Colorado is the only place that I know of where I can go to a breakfast like I did recently and be at a table with eight women who are all very advanced in their startup journey. Post Series A, post Series B, our investors at funds, our partners at funds. And being in a community of women who support each other, that are excited to support each other and have each other's back has been a big game changer for me personally and professionally. That's great. We, we obviously feel the same and, and think that, you know, five, six, seven years from now, Liz, it's going to be even more, more amazing. Um, five, six, seven years from now, we're going to run this town, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the plan, right? That's the plan. So I know you, you're, you know a lot of great companies, a lot of great founders locally. Who's one that you're particularly excited about that you want to give a shout out to? I'm really excited right now about Half Days, which is a company that was started by two local women here in Colorado, Ariana and Kylie. They are absolutely crushing it with women's sports outdoor athletic wear for basically skiing and snowboarding, but I'm sure they will grow into many other categories. 
part of the reason why I'm excited about their business is I recently uh, got together with Ariana and I feel that they are just taking a really interesting approach to building community. I think the businesses of the future are actually going to be businesses that have really passionate, strong communities. We're seeing a lot of changes in customer acquisition. We're seeing a lot of changes in how difficult it is to acquire customers on digital channels. And so the businesses that I'm most excited about are businesses that are doing things really unconventionally. One of the things Half Days is doing that I think every business listening to this podcast should be thinking about is they're actually doing something they call mountain meetups, where they actually have their community come together and go skiing together. They don't even bring product. They don't sell product. Uh, They just actually have people come together and meet. And what they've learned from this group of folks who come together and have, you know, a monthly mountain meetup is they get great product ideas. And one of the product ideas they got from this group was for a bib pant, a performance bib pant that they launched in October of this year. They sold out in a matter of weeks, and now they have an 8,000 person waiting list, all from getting in together with their customers in real life, building community. I think there's so much good learning there. I'm excited about their future. Great. So Liz, so let's jump into to why we're here, the biggest lesson. So you've had an amazing career. You've done a bunch of different things so far, and you're building a really fast growing company. So I'm sure you're learning new lessons every day at warp speed as well with that. But We'd love to dive into what the biggest lesson is you've learned so far and how did you learn it? My biggest lesson is who you do things with is almost more important than what you're doing. So I have both founded a company as a solo founder and I've started a company now with a co-founder in my co-founder, Haley Anderson at, at Suna. And over time, what I've realized is that having a co-founder whom you trust implicitly whom you respect and admire deeply allows you to overcome any challenge your business is going to go through, whether that's what the pandemic handed Haley and I, or, you know, what I'm observing now in terms of the global instability that is happening in Russia and Ukraine, Uh, you're going to be facing a lot of challenges that are outside of your control as a business. Some of them will impact you directly. Some of them will not. But I think the game changer for me has been that doing it with Haley whatever challenge we're, we're going to face has made me better as a CEO and has made us our business better as a company. I'll give you a really pertinent example. You know, when the pandemic happened in March of 2020, Haley and I looked at each other and said, well, do we just close up shop and then hope in three months this is over and come back to life? Or do we decide to face this head on and, and focus on doing something entirely differently or focus on pivoting the business? And Haley and I decided to risk the pandemic. I drove uh, to her home. I locked myself in in our CTO's house. My CTO's name is Cal. So Cal, Haley, and I locked ourselves in Cal's house for 10 days and decided that at the end of that 10 days, we were going to have a strategy and a plan for how we were going to make our business entirely remote, entirely virtual, so that we could could go as long as we needed to operate with the pandemic happening no matter no matter what. At the end of that 10 days, we had completely reoriented our operations, completely rebuilt our technology, completely re-envisioned our processes. And it was so important that I do it with them, that they were the ones that I do it with. Because had I tried to do that with anyone else, I think maybe someone else would have thrown up their hands. But we as a group, we as a team, were so committed to each other. We were so trusting of each other and we were so loyal to each other that we were willing to do anything to, to make the the changes we need to make. So I think that's a big part of it. And listen, I also believe in 
the ability to defy the laws of math and physics. And I believe that Haley and I, when the work output of me as one person and the work output of her as one person is a unique situation where one plus one equals seven, that we're able to do the work of seven people together, but we're only able to do the work of one when we're alone. And uh, that has proven true to me time and time again, when we've brought on new people to the organization, there are some times when you are in a room with another person and somehow the work output of you plus that other person is zero. Uh, there is no additive value at all. And so just be cautious and conscious of who am I working with and how does my output or how does the, the work output of what we do together increase or decrease based on the collaboration I'm having with this person. Yeah. So Liz, it sounds like you've, you've found an amazing co-founder in Haley and with the rest of the team as well. How do you go about making sure you have that fit with someone and, mm. and go through that process? Because I think that's something that you know a lot of people might get together and start a company together, but they don't actually know if there's that fit that, mm-hmm. that you've found. So how do you how did you do that, or how would you give people listening the advice to really make sure that they're finding the magic that you and your team found? There's nothing to help you understand what it's going to be like to work with someone, like actually working with them. I think before you start a company with someone, just start a project with someone. Do a small project, build a small app. You know, even go on a trip with someone, go on a road trip with someone, you know, try doing something with someone that's intense and that is intentional, because what you'll discover is, you know, opportunities to solve problems. You'll discover opportunities to navigate conflict. One of the things that I think is a giant misconception about co-founders is that, you know, great co-founders don't have conflict. Haley and I have conflict all the time. What we've learned is how to navigate conflict respectfully and how to navigate conflict compassionately with each other. And you only do that by practicing fighting, practicing not getting along. Those things are important. The other thing that I really recommend to co-founders is that you define some some of your decision rights really early. And so we, at the very beginning of Suna, actually built something called the decision tree. And the decision tree is essentially a visualization that says, if the trunk of the tree is every type of decision that Liz and Haley have to both agree on 100% before we do it. So a good example of something that's in the trunk of the tree is, uh, you know, firing uh, key executives or who our next investor is going to be, signing a term sheet. These are things that we have to agree upon there in the trunk of the tree. Tree can't grow without the trunk of the tree, right? But then there's all these branches of the tree, and these branches are the decisions that Liz trusts Haley 100% to make, and Haley trusts Liz 100% to make. So, you know, an example of a decision that I trust Haley 100% to make is what we're going to do with our product roadmap next quarter. A decision that Haley trusts me 100% to make is how we're going to leverage debt in 2022. And so we have that clearly outlined, clearly defined, clearly written down. And then critically, we share this decision tree with our entire leadership team. So our entire leadership team knows, here's the decisions that Haley and I are going to agree on 100% before we're going to move forward. And here's the things where they trust each other to make decisions autonomously. And I think that has been absolutely foundational because now our leaders use it on their own teams. So when they have their own questions, their own challenges, they can actually use decision-making processes like Haley and I use to reduce conflict and get to decisions faster. I think that's that's phenomenal, Liz. It's a great uh, uh, roadmap that I think a, a lot of people would benefit from. Your lesson really resonates with me a lot too. I, I think in the context of a lot of uh, people asking for career advice, and what I'm blown away by, I'd love to get your take here, is how many people I think make the mistake 
of starting their job search, looking for the type of company and what the company actually does. And I always give the advice to focus on the people. I, I, in my own experience, you know, home improvement is not something I really care about. I've never cared about it. I still don't care about it. But I worked at Home Advisor for eight and a half years because the team there was phenomenal and we could have worked on anything together and it would have been a blast, right? And so I think the type of company that you're working for is just is not going to be enough if the people aren't your, aren't your people. 100%. What has been an absolutely game-changing realization for me is that I recruit people based on who I think is going to be additive to what our outcomes are going to be, but also additive to the people around them. So when I'm recruiting someone, I'm not just saying, well, can they functionally complete these tasks? I'm saying, do I think that this person will help Nathan, our director of engineering, level up? Do I think that this person will help Rachel, my director of people, level up? Do I believe that, you know, in collaboration, we're going to get a one plus one equals seven outcome? And I will really recruit on those items. And in fact, I do something called a crew interview as part of my recruiting process, where when I have somebody that I'm really excited about having them work at Suna, I did this recently with Ruhi Aditi, who we just recruited to come be our head of our marketplace. It took me a long time to convince Ruhi to come join Suna, but I had a crew interview where I brought in for her my chief of staff, my uh, senior director of engineering, and my co-founder. And I brought together three essential people. And I wanted her to see in that hour conversation how she might fit into that collaboration, how she might get along with and have conflict, productive conflict with in a, in a true meaning, in a true environment. And I truly believe that those crew interviews is how I show people instead of tell people what kind of culture they're going to walk into and how their career is going to advance because of the people that they're going to get to work with. I truly believe Suna will be a billion dollar company, partially because of our idea, but mostly because of the people who are going after this idea. And I believe that when people ask me when I'm standing on you know, the New York Stock Exchange, how did this happen? I'll point at all the people standing around me and say, because of them. Liz, going back to sort of the tree that you defined, I think that's a really interesting way to visualize it. In my experience as well, though, you know, as the company grows, not necessarily all of the decisions necessarily are, are caught in the tree as you, you've grown it or defined it today. Have you done anything in terms of, you know, codifying values or making sure sort of values are aligned across people in the org to help with some of that decision making as well? Yes, I wish I could find my my little booklet for you. We Haley and I spent a week together last April when we knew after we knew we had raised the Series A and that the company was still going to keep going, and we decided to write our manifesto, which was you know sort of like a really dramatic way of describing it. But we said, okay, we're growing this company. This company is about to add a bunch more people. Let's help them get to know us since they're not going to get to work alongside us every single day. Let's help them understand the things that they need to know. So a couple of the key things they have in there, our mission statement, quality content for all. What does that mean to us? What are the things that guide our principles? Uh, one of our biggest values, everyone is creative. Doesn't matter what job you have, what role you have. At Suna, we invite you to, to think creatively, to build creatively, to work creatively. And then we also wrote what, instead of writing sort of these very strict values, what we actually wrote is our five principles for great leadership at Suna, because I truly believe that being a great leader is actually the difference between being a good manager or not, between being a good individual contributor or not, and just being a good market force or not. And so 
Some of those things are things that we totally made up. One of them is something we called possessing grit commitment, which is the idea of having grit and commitment. You know, if you can be committed to something and just keep going after it, grit commitment is that combination of those things, you know, really, really having it. You know, another one that is really, really important to me is practicing conscious leadership, you know, being aware of yourself, being aware of how you impact others, thinking before you speak, <laughs> you know, thinking before you act, really giving yourself that space to be thoughtful before you do things. And so now we printed all these things into a beautiful book. And when someone joins the company, they get this beautiful book where they understand, okay, here's the guiding principles of this organization. Here's how we think about our role in the world and what we're welcoming you to participate in and be a part of now. If that's a good fit for you, awesome. You're going to have a great time. Uh, if it's not a good fit for you, well, now you've just had a manual that explains why you should probably leave. Awesome, Liz. What, what a great lesson. Um, and I think everybody that you know, comes in in contact with Suna certainly uh, appreciates the care you've put into building building the culture there and the great people that are part of it. How can our listeners follow along while you're on the journey with Suna? Absolutely. Go on social media, follow at Suna Studios. It's S-O-O-N-A. And you can follow me anytime. I always recommend you come check me out on LinkedIn. I'm saying controversial things all the time that might change the way you think. So come check me out at Liz Georgie on uh, any of the social media platforms. I hope you'll come check out what I have to say. Thanks so much, Liz. 